Hey everyone, Matt General here with 420. I'm super excited for you to get to enjoy this week's teaching on the 420 core value of family. It was interesting, as we were uh, in this particular night, the Lord was doing something incredible in the room with just restoring joy, bringing joy into people's lives. And I felt like the Lord put a shift in my heart as we were standing in worship to adjust the message for the evening of what I was originally planning on going into and something specifically that I felt like he wanted me to touch on out of Zechariah chapter three. So as we learn about the topic of family and how that correlates to our identity, how that correlates to a church culture and what we can take out of the word of God from Zechariah chapter three, I pray that you are filled with wisdom, you are filled with revelation to understand the Lord's written word and that you come into an encounter with the living Christ. Love you guys, and so excited for you to get to listen to this this week's message, praying for you all. Man, how how many of you, you feel a little bit lighter right now, maybe? You You feel a little bit lighter? Yes, yeah. How many of you love that there's there's, my, my, well, my son left, he was running around, but how many of you love that there's kids just running around during worship? Like, for real, right? Like, let, let the freedom of a child prophesy to you the natural state that you're supposed to live in. Like, just, come on. Oh, man. I was, there were some scriptures that I was just, I was just getting flooded with um, as, as we were in that, that time of, as we were in that time of worship. And if we can, let's just do this right now. Um, please turn with me to Zechariah chapter three. Zechariah is in the Old Testament. It's, if you're, I, I literally, I, I couldn't even remember where it was. I had to look in my, in my, in my reference. It's two books before Matthew, two books before Matthew, I think. But Zechariah chapter three, and then when you get there, just, just pause for a minute. But Zechariah chapter three. I wanna explain something that sometimes joy is a choice. And, and, and like happiness and joy are different in the respects that happiness is like, um, so there was, can I tell you guys, this is like, I don't know, maybe this is inappropriate, but it's a funny story. I'm going to tell it anyway, because anyway, it's funny. So literally, so the other night, my, uh, my son is now officially to an age now of where it's just like, all right, he needs like baths consistently. <laughs> and, and, and we're, and we're kind of doing this thing now of where for a while, like my son lo- like loved bath time. Bath time is the greatest. Like would sit in there for literally like 45 minutes just like until his fingertips were we're pruning and just like he's turning into a raisin. But now he's done this thing of where we'll put Conrad in the tub and, and he'll be in there for like, like 10, 15 minutes and then he starts to like swing his legs over and the, and the tub is like pretty tall and he'll start to swing his legs over the side of the tub to get out. And so literally last night uh, we were watching and we're not, not being a bad parent, he was supervised. But like, so Brandy was kind of watching him like from the door, I was, I was doing some other stuff down the hallway. And all of a sudden, we see our son butt naked, just like booking it down the, down, well, he's not really booking it, he's only one, but like just walking down the hallway, and he hops on his little, 
uh, my, my parents just recently got him this like uh, this this Paw Patrol uh, um, like fire truck thing that you can sit on and, and scoot up and down the hallway. Oh my gosh, it's awesome! But and and in that moment. Brandy and I, and we, like, we didn't even do anything to stop it because one, it was adorable, like, and it was just, and it, it just, it made us laugh just, just unbelievably. Like in that moment, that's just, like it's, it's, it's joy that it's just, you don't even, and, and that was after coming out of like a couple of days that were, there's a lot of things that Brandy and I are, are praying into right now that we're seeking wisdom on, we're seeking clarity on. And have you ever felt, in, in these moments of where when you're seeking the Lord for something, you start seeking him for the something and you start missing him like entirely. And like, and it's just, and if you would stop for more than just five seconds and not repent in the sense of like your sin, like, oh, you've sinned, you need to repent, you've done something wrong. Repent is actually a compound word. Repent is, is it's re, then there's a space and then pent. Re literally means to turn to, to, to turn from this direction into this one. And pent is where we get the word penthouse. So the highest place. So you are turning back to the highest place. In this respect, we are turning back to the highest place of thinking, which is the reality of heaven. We are repenting to the reality of heaven. Are you following me when I say that? And, and it was so funny. Last night, as I'm just watching my son, just, just being a one-year-old boy, what laughter did to my heart and what laughter did to my spirit, it was like, it was the ultimate like reset that, that, that I needed. And then coming here tonight, I don't know what it was. I woke up this morning and I'm not just saying this because we encountered it. There was something today of where I've had expectation. I'm, I'm, I'm being totally serious with you. I've had expectation in my heart just the whole day. I've had expectation in my heart of even coming in here tonight. I just was like, there is, there's joy that I truly feel like is going to be released tonight. And people's hearts are going to be rewired. People's hearts are going to be healed. Things are going to be redone. And what I want to just encourage to you is that if you are sitting in here and all of that stuff is going on, all of those things are taking place, and, you're, and let's just be like very real for a minute, and you're just sitting in here and you're like, dude, I've... I've got nothing. Like, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm, I actually think I'm increasingly getting more mad that everyone's more joyful than what I am right now. <laughs> it's like there's, there's nothing worse when everyone else around you is happy and you're not. And it's just like you just want to like smack everyone across the face. You're like, their joy is making you mad. <laughs> but in, in that in that moment, there's a choice that you have. We're gonna get to Zechariah 3 in just a minute. There's a choice in that moment that you have. And I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is based on, like, I, I ate a good meal today. Like, food makes me happy. I enjoy food. I, I got to spend quality time with a good friend. Like, that makes me happy. Joy is an unsituational and uncircumstantial law of the spirit. It is a law of the spirit. And I don't need situations and circumstances to line up in order for me to experience it. Hell can be going on around you, but you are cocooned in peace and an embrace of bliss while chaos is around you because joy has become your choice in that moment. And I, th I actually think Taylor was singing it. You were like Taylor. You were you were singing something about like my joy is a man. I, did you literally sing my joy is a man, the man with the plan? 
Is that what you said? Okay, that's, that's what I heard, so we're, gonna, so that, we're just going to go with that. But, like, I literally just started laughing. I'm like, that's, like, the best thing I've heard all week was, was that. But when we went into that moment, joy is a person. And when you make a choice to yield to that person, let me put it in this context. The, the best marriage advice I was ever given was when you get married especially in the moments that you don't want to, when you look at your spouse, and you can do this with a spouse, you can do this with a friend, what, you can do this with a family member. Love is a continuous choice of saying, I choose you over myself. I choose you over myself. And in your marriage with Jesus, remember, this is a marriage union. This is a bridal union. When we make a decision in our hearts that joy is going to be the choice that we live from. I'm not going to wait for a feeling. I'm not going to wait for, for, for electricity or heat. Welcome the manifestations if, if they come, but I'm going to make a choice in my heart that I'm, I'm going to meditate upon the things that I've seen the Lord do. I'm going to open up scripture and encourage myself in the Lord. If King David is hiding in a cave with the armies of Saul prevailing against him. And King David looks at his men and says, gather around men, I'm gonna teach you the fear of the Lord. I'm gonna teach you what it means to fear the Lord above all else. If David can make a choice in that moment to set his affections, to set his attention on the Lord, then we easily can. And it's in, the, and it's in those moments that you make a decision, like what, I'm, I'm trying to explain what was happening in here of, of, of what's going on that when the Lord begins to make something available like that, it's, just, it's, it's a free gift. It's, and, it's, and he's offering it out freely. And the only thing separating you between what the Lord is offering and then what maybe you're not experiencing in that moment is a choice to just yield to it and tuck up underneath of it. Even if it doesn't make sense. But all, literally, the only thing that's separating you is a choice. Is, is a choice of which reality are you going to yield to? Which person are you going to give yourself over to yourself or Jesus the one that is pursuing you is this all is this making sense but I want to I want to touch on something right now and by the way for the past um seven weeks uh eight weeks for this is the eighth week for the past eight weeks we've been going through our 420 cultural values and, and it's, we have a list of, of 10 things that we are going through. And by the way, I just want to say this. We do not expect that as we're teaching through these core values that it's like, oh, by the end of it, you have to know like the, the, the order of all 10 of these things and the definition of them. That's, that's not why we're doing this. What we're doing right now is, is establishing a culture for what we believe Jesus has placed in our hearts to lay here. So, but specifically tonight, we're going after the topic of, of family. But I really feel like, so I, I don't want to ignore the core value of, of where we're at tonight, but as we were in worship and as we were ministering to the Lord, Zechariah 3 hit me, and if it's okay, I want to just have permission from the room to detour a little bit from landing on, we're, we're going to get to family, but I, I, I want to detour into this, if that's okay. But Zechariah 3, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so if, if you have a phone and you want to program it to that, um, it'll, it'll make a little bit more sense. Um, but I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there, 
at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. I want us to stop right there. Yeah, you can, you can applaud that. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good verse to applaud. Verse two, the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations. What, what Jeff had us, when Jeff came up and he was talking about literally like laughing at lies, just getting very, very practical for a minute. Sometimes I think all it takes to let go of something that's bothering you is simply just to laugh at it. To laugh, you have to let go of something. You, you, you have to. And in this, and in this verse, I don't know, I, I, I really sense that maybe there's a couple of you that came in here tonight and as we're in an atmosphere of where there's joy like that and there's things moving like that, you're seeing it and, and you don't have to raise your hand, I'm not asking you to stand up, but you're seeing it happen and you're like, why not me? Like, why not me? Like, where, like what, 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 what am I not doing? What am I missing out on? What is not clicking? And you immediately go into this place of where you're introspective and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, um, maybe, maybe there's like some sin that I did in the week and it's like, and it's keeping me from experiencing this. Uh, maybe, okay, maybe I need to figure out something that I'm not doing and I need to start doing it so that I can get this. Maybe there's something that I should have done and I didn't and now I'm just going to rack my brain with like where I last disobeyed the Lord. And before you know it, your eyes are so on yourself, Satan doesn't even need to touch you anymore because you're doing a fine enough job yourself being paranoid, freaked out, and insecure. Of He's just like, I don't even need to do anything. You are so jacked up and so messed up, I don't even need to touch you. You are your own worst enemy right now. And he doesn't even need to do anything. He doesn't even need to whisper anything. Like oftentimes I have found, I've, I've heard this, a friend of mine told me this before. Oftentimes, Satan's work is very easy in the world. He doesn't even need to do it because we have, we have, an, we have an easy enough time not forgiving ourselves. And what I want to point out to us is that when you begin to do that whole introspective mental gymnastic dance, when you begin to do, and, I, and I'm not talking about um, doing what Proverbs says, guarding your heart for from it flow the issues of life. I'm not talking about taking inventory. Like there's, I'm not talking about healthy contemplation and, and, and healthy meditation of things. I'm, I'm talking about you getting into a place of, of, of self-righteousness where you step outside of grace into works you forget that salvation was something that was received as a free gift and you get so far outside of inheritance, you begin to work your way trying to get back into the Father's will rather than freely receiving it and you miss him by a mile because the closest thing that you came up against was your own definition of perfection and you wonder why you've missed the Lord because all that you've actually done is manufactured a Jesus in your own definition 
and in your own character traits, and you've missed him by a mile because he's nothing like what you have constructed him to be. And oftentimes you need his joy, in this case, to come in, offend your mind, to get to your heart, to make you realize he's nothing like what you have built him up to be. I'll never forget one of the first times after years of running from the Lord, years of running from the Lord, I will never forget the moment that, that, that it just, it broke for me. Like it's just the, just my heart finally just chipped and broke and everything came out. I remember sitting in a, in a, in a prayer room of where I was at and I said, Jesus, if you promise me your presence and if you promise me this, and in that moment when I'm saying this, I don't even know what the this is. I just knew that like for the first time in, in my life, I'm fully convinced that Jesus is Lord and he is my Lord. Jesus is God and he is my God. And everything that is written in this is not just for history. It's not just a one-hit wonder, but it is spirit and it is truth and it is infallible and it is inerrant and it is worthy to have my life staked upon it. I'm, and, and in that moment, I'm like, I, I do not care left or right. I'm going in this direction. And I remember saying, Jesus, if you promise me this, your presence, this joy for the rest of my life, I know I will never, ever need to go back to a lifestyle of addiction ever again. I will never need to go back to it ever again. And I was convinced of that. I was convinced of that in that moment. And I, and I truly, truly believe that that is only possible, one, because of the presence of Jesus, but simply because we are yielding to what he has made available. We are yielding to him in his personhood. We are yielding to the fact that he is a real person in the room. He's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not an emotion that we just throw around. He's not a good idea. He's not something that we manufacture or create. He's, he's a person that actually has emotions. He actually has feelings. He actually has opinions. He actually has convictions. And he's a person that makes himself unbelievably available to you. And in the way that he makes himself available to you, it is to invite you into a work that is finished so that you can partake. We were singing it at some point, at the very beginning tonight, we were singing it. And he invites you into a work that is finished. And we miss Jesus when we go into the prayer closet or we come into a meeting like this and we do not make the choice to step past yourself to step past ourselves. And, and, and here's the thing, if you're, let me just like go here for a minute. If, if you're thinking in your head, well, what if the Lord is trying to point out something to me? Like what if, what if he is trying to point out some sin to me and, and I'm gonna miss it and then I'm in rebellion and then I'm, and then I'm not being obedient and, and what if I'm deceived and what if, what if he does actually want me to go into all of these things and what if he does want me to, to inspect all of these individual things? What do, what do I do about that? I'm telling you right now, Jesus is never going to punish you into purity. He will only hold you into holiness. And if he does come to correct you, it is going to be out of the gentle and lowly heart with which who he is. 
Every single time, Jesus, if, if correction is on the table, if you walk into the night, you walk into the meeting, you walk into the prayer closet, and there's business in the Father's heart that he wants to do with you, and there's something that he wants to correct you on, I give you my word, I will put my stinking life on this statement. It will not be with a heavy hand upside the head. I, it, like, it just, it won't. And many of you, when we use the word family, and you hear the word family as a core value, you immediately go to, like, just gross. My family is a mess. My family is dysfunctional. Like, 90% of American families today, there's high and low, different levels of dysfunction. Even in the most perfect of families, there's some level of dysfunction. Some families just more so than others. You hear the word family, and you're like, that is, I am, I do not want that. I am not here for that. I'm, I'm not even totally sure I want that with him. I'm just, I'm not here for that. And I truly think that the secret of joy is found in the discovery of who Jesus is and what he is really like, that he is gentle and lowly at heart. And all of the times that you come to him, all of the times that you come to him saying, Jesus fix this. Jesus, discipline me. Jesus, correct me. Jesus, uh, like, convict me of things. Like, those prayers are beautiful to him, but if he's not answering them, try getting on a different station, because he's clearly not operating on that one, and maybe step into something different, because the introspective, navel-gazing game is not working, and it's not producing any holiness, because you've stepped so far outside of grace. The only thing you're embracing is yourself. When we use the core value of family, we're talking about, and, 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 I, wanna, and I, was, I was thinking about this a good portion of today about how to say this in a way, because what I really don't like is, and, and I understand when we do it, like I, I'm, I'm really not a fan because I've been on the receiving end of when this happens and it just I'll just tell you, it sucks. <laughs> I don't like when by the way, what we're doing here on Thursday nights, we're not reinventing like any wheel. Like we're not, we're not reinventing anything. We are saints coming together to worship a living Jesus. Go all the way back to Acts chapter two. If, any, if anyone was, 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 was starting something, they were the ones doing it then. We are following in the footsteps of what has been laid and what heaven is echoing. We are trying to do on earth what is being done in heaven right now and we're just passionate to do that. And when we get to do that and come together, it's more beautiful than if you were alone. All that this Thursday night is, is the momentary interruption of a public display of a private life with Jesus. That's all, that's all that the Sunday morning meeting is. It is the momentary interruption of where your private life becomes public for 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. If you go to a Pentecostal church, five hours. <laughs> but it's all, that's all that these things are. So the other thing, what are you cultivating in secret so that there's actually an overflow in public? Because before I try to stand with him in public, I need to learn how to lay with him in secret. Because when I am obedient to the romantic enticements of Jesus, have you ever just been going throughout your day and a thought comes into your mind? Like, and literally it could be the slightest, like it's literally like a feather across the back of your neck. It's like, hey, I should go read my Bible. 
I should go pray. That's the romantic enticement of Jesus right there. It's literally so subtle because he's so gentle and so lowly at heart. He, he entices you with the very voice that melts mountains and creates galaxies, but yet he chooses to relate to his people through a whisper. And when he entices you, how quickly are we willing to answer him? How quickly are we willing to give him space? And when the private cultivation of intimacy is priority in my life, I can't help but have it leak out in public. That's actually the secret to the life of evangelism. We're not talking about evangelism tonight, but the secret to the life of an evangelist is simply the overflowing heart of what has been cultivated in secret that can no longer be contained. It can no longer be contained. In verse 3, Zechariah chapter 3, Jeshua's clothing was filthy, was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Verse 5, then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Verse 6, then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Jeshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Stop right there. You are symbols of things to come. If we were to take a journey through the rest of the Old Testament, pass through the torn veil, through the suffering cross and passion of Jesus Christ, walk through the resurrected tomb of our Lord and arrive at the books of First and Second Peter, you will find that one of the new names that is addressed to you is a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. It's one of the very embodiments of your identity and who you are as a believer. You are a royal priesthood. Everyone in here say priesthood. Man or woman in here, does not matter. You are a priest. We don't have a worship team that worships on Thursday nights. We have holy Levites that are laid down lovers of the Lord that we have entrusted to lead us into the presence of God. We're not employing a worship team. I think the problem in Western culture today is that we have employed gifted musicians and turned our back on consecrated Levites. And, and the Lord wants the attention back. The Lord wants the platform back. And I think it breaks the Lord's heart. And he's so jealous for affection and he's so jealous for romantic enticement and he's so jealous to be brought into a love union. He will find someone that knows how to worship in spirit and truth and hiddenness and keep them hidden just for the sake of that union. But what is unfortunate is when that individual makes their way into the public place and we prioritize gifting over anointing. 
We prioritize a gifting that can be developed just through watching enough YouTube videos or going to college long enough or reading enough books or learning how to copy someone else. But what can't be replicated is the anointing that was developed in secret where no one was looking and you submitted yourself to a process of crushing. Another phrase for that is called suffering. No one wants to go through that. Why? Because it sucks. <laughs> no, no, one wa- no, no one wants to suffer. But it's in the crushing, and it's, it's when I find myself sitting in the mud with mud covering my face, and I wipe it from my eyes, and I look up and see Jesus sitting two feet away from me, right in front of me, and I look at him, and I say, what in the world are you doing here? You don't belong here. And he looks at me, and he says, I was going to say the same exact thing about you. And all of a sudden, your suffering becomes the place of celebration where intimacy is restored and established. And then all of a sudden, you don't care if you're on the mountaintop or the valley. You just care that you have him. You don't care if people are including you in things. You don't care if you're sitting in meetings and you understand everything. You don't care if, if people even want you to be a part of things. You don't even care if people don't ask you the right certain things. No, his feet have become my pillow and the purest form of worship is the crown that he has bestowed upon me being thrown at those feet as quickly as I can. And the purest sound that his ears hear every day is the clanging of my crown hitting the ground at his feet in pure worship and adoration. So I'm, I'm looking for the uh, verse that we ended on. Um, listen to me, verse eight. Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Do you want to know why you can always have joy? I'm I'm being for real. Do you want to know why joy is unsituational, uncircumstantial, and you don't need situations and circumstances to change? Do you want to know why? Because the vine named Jesus Christ runs through your body, which you have been connected to for eternity. You are connected to it right now. And just, just stop for a second right now and just close your eyes. Don't look at me. Don't look at your neighbor. And, and literally, practice the presence of God with me for a minute and become aware of the fact, like every single person in here has a shirt on or a sweater, jacket, whatever. You, you have some type of upper, outer garment on. In the same way that you are drastically aware of the shirt that you're wearing, just breathe in and breathe out for a minute and give full attention, I'm stuck to him. I'm in him and he is in me right now. It's like two sides of fabric that have been sewn together and become aware right now. Like give attention to the fact that you're held in him right now. 
Like this, this is happening right now. Like he's actually here. He's actually in you. He is actually on you. You are actually in him. Union is real right now. And contemplate that right now. Meditate on that right now. This mystical union where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dance around you in a trinity and place you in the center because you exist with them because you were created from them. Like this is happening right now. Just five more seconds. You are eternally connected to Jesus and you have been brought into the family of God where you have a seat at the table all the time. All the time. Can I tell you something? This is a a secret from the, from the journal here right now, but can I, can I tell you guys something that I was praying through something one time and the Lord spoke this word to me that I've hung on to and I, I wanna just release it, take it, let, let it be yours. But I heard the Lord say this one time when I was praying through something that I was getting really frustrated over and I heard the Lord say, Matthew, I'm not going to leave you in the dust. I'm not going to leave you behind in the dust when that is where I created you from in the first place. And that word to me melts me and hits me like a thousand ton beam on the heart of realizing that you're not, you're, you're not going to miss him because you're grafted into him. Like you, you can't miss him. And the fear of, oh, I'm going to miss him or I have missed him or my 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 decision depends on missing him or not missing him. A part of that is true. Yes, you, you can make a decision to be aware of him or not aware of him, but I'm talking about for those of you, if you're born again, your heart is in a place of faith and integrity, like you're, you're I'm, not, I'm not talking about deliberately being disobedient. I'm talking about a heart that is full of faith and yielded to him. You will not miss him. You're just, you're, you're not going to. I don't think that you can. Half the anxiety that is on our lives would disappear if we realized that we're actually not going to miss God. And I think that there's so much anxiety in people with the purest of intentions that all they want to do is just honor him and make him proud and please him. But yet they're the most anxious and the most frustrated or the most angry because it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna miss it, I'm gonna ruin it, or I probably honestly already have. I went left and I was supposed to go right, or I went right and I was supposed to go left. I just, it's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to miss him. And when we talk about a family, and we're talking about a, a, the, the, a, a family that is being cultivated here on Thursday nights, why are we using that word? I'll tell you this right now that um, in the city of Indianapolis, 
I think it's within the 465 loop alone, or I, I forget what regionally what this looks like. Jeff or Clay, no, they'll correct me on it. Just go ask them at the end of the service because I know we've talked about it before. But for, it's something like for every 283 born-again people, there's a Christian church. Like something crazy like that. Yeah, see, there it is. That's it. Like for every 230 people, there's, there's a Christian church. So there's a lot of options in, in the city. There's a lot of things available. And when I use the word family, whatever that brings up for you, I'm going to be just straightforward with this. When the Lord is building a work, it is not by might, not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. And there's only one thing in scripture that the Lord says that his house will be called, and it's a house of prayer. It doesn't say a house of service. It doesn't say a house of evangelism. It doesn't say a house of worship. It doesn't say a house of apostolic ministry. It says a house of prayer. All, are all of those manifestations in the church, and do we see them from the church? 100%, absolutely. But there's a definitive statement of where the Lord calls his house a house of prayer. And there's an invitation extended to you tonight. Whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else, you are not radical because you don't go to church on Sunday but you go to your home group on Wednesday night and bash the local church on Sunday thinking that you're radical. You're just irresponsible. And being in a local body, and trust me, I've, I've been, I was a young adults pastor for a long time, and when that ended, I remember looking at my wife saying some things about the local church, and I was like, no, forget it. Like, I'll, I will never go back into a local church and work there ever again. Like, they don't know what they're doing. Like, this is ridiculous. Because I, I was watching millennials just leave the church all the time as a young adults pastor, just watching just angry millennials leave the church. Or they were looking for the real thing, and then it was getting met with law, religion, and legalism, and there wasn't space made for the Lord. So they left and either fell in the new age cultures or just fell into their lifestyles that they were living into or bondages that were just hell for them. The local church and this gathering has always meant and is always supposed to be a family of believers that come together in honor, love, and respect for one another that exist to magnify the Lord and minister to his heart. That, that, is, that is why we're here for him. Establishing a family is unbelievably messy. It's unbelievably time-consuming. And it is an unbelievable commitment to creating a culture that invites people into something of where you earn, you earn a place with them for them to pull back the curtain of their heart, expose what's going on in, your li on the, in their life, and then you get to do life with them. Your heart is the most valuable thing that you have. Guard it and cherish it jealously. Don't just give it to the first person that comes along. If you are called to be here, then be here. If you're not called to be here, pray about where it is that you're supposed to be and be there. And be there with the fullness of yourself and the fullness of what you have to offer. Because the local church needs holy saints that know who they are. 
And you do a a, a disservice to your local body and your local church when you decide to not go in there and not offer who you truly are. It's, that's extremely important, I believe, to the Father's heart, to the Lord's heart. All of this to say, I know we've jumped around and gone through rabbit holes and like been, been a little bit of all, all over the place tonight. Is that I, I, I truly believe that Jesus was here and is here still, restoring your joy tonight and inviting you into a family. He's inviting you into himself. He's inviting you into the reality of heaven. And he's inviting you into putting new priestly robes around you. It's not just about public place gifting. It's about secret place adoration of where the joy of your heart is truly restored to knowing him. Everything that has been said tonight, I know that it's a lot. Would all of you say that there's at least one thing, if we're throwing spaghetti at a wall right now, that like there's... There's one thing that's landing. Good. Then leave here tonight. Take that. Say law it. Chew on it. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Contemplate it. And just and sit there in that and let it become your imagination and your daydream throughout the week. Amen? Yeah. All right. Let's stand to our feet right now. Yeah. Let's just stand to our feet. Can I get um, someone... Lori, if you, if you would like to, someone on the, on the keys, whatever, whatever you want to play, whatever you want to go into. So just, let's just hold out your hands in front of you, um, just like you're getting ready to receive a gift. Zechariah chapter 3, I want you to put yourself, every place that it says Jeshua, I want you to put your name there. <clears throat> I want you to put your name into that scripture. Even reread it when you leave, when you leave here tonight. But I, I want you to just, with your eyes closed, I want you to see yourself in that setting and see yourself in what is taking place in, in that story and receive that as your own tonight. And I'm just, I'm just gonna pray over you. And then if you need prayer, please come to the forward to receive prayer if there's anything that you came here tonight needing prayer for. But let's just do this right now. Jesus, I pray right now that the dirty robes, even the ones that Robes from past, see, I feel like there's someone in here that needs to hear that the, the, the robes that you wore in past seasons are not going to fit in this new one moving forward. Let the Lord re-clothe you. Let the Lord reorder you. What you used to do then is not going to work now. And that's a good thing because he always comes from your future into your present, not your past into your present. Jesus, I pray right now that every person in here, that we would be re-clothed in the robes that you have for us. We would be re-clothed in the spotless white and clean robes that you have for us. When we hear the word family, we wouldn't get weirded out 
or tense up or start looking for the quickest exit, but that we would see it as, no, there, there's hope to belong somewhere. There's hope to actually belong somewhere. And I just speak to you right now that if you have, if you have ever been burned by the local church, like something happened, whether it was you or your family line, that you know that like, hey, they said something, they did something, something happened to me. It was, it was an injustice to who you are, to your family, whatever it looks like. Jesus, I pray for forgiveness and just to take place right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. That like a flood, you would come into that place and heal and restore and just completely make new in Jesus' name. And it's time right now, it is t- I say this in love and honor. You have given it attention long enough. It's time to move on. It's time, I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm not saying that to criticize. It's time to move on. Leave it at his feet. Take your rightful place in him and move on from it as he carries you beyond the bitterness, beyond the unforgiveness, and beyond what should have, could have, or would have, or needed to have happened. It's time to move on. Jesus, we love you, and, we, and, and for as long as we can, we will continue to gather on nights like this for you minister to you, to delight your heart, to stare your jealousy in the face and say, here we are, run us over. (laughs) We're going to bring everything that we have. And even when we show up thinking, I have nothing wrong, we have the air in our lungs and we have our very beating hearts as a holy and pure offering to lay down at your feet. As we leave here, make us humble, Holy Spirit, and help us love Jesus. Please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, if, if you came here tonight and there's any, uh, anything that you need prayer for, anything that you would like prayer for, if, if there's something that you came here tonight and you need healing, we want to pray for that right now. Or if it's just like, hey, I, just, I would like a word from the Lord, I just want prayer, um, please come up here and stand Someone will come up to you and pray for you. You don't need to go look for them. They will come to you. But just we love you guys, and we'll see you guys next Thursday.